This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Aquarium Mania. I'm your host, Roy Anong, speaking to you from the University of Florida's Tropical Aquaculture Laboratory, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Today, we continue our journey through the fascinating world of aquariums, this time discussing a very unique fish, the glowfish. The thousands of species of fish, invertebrates, and plants in the aquarium hobby provide endless possibilities of breathtaking aquarium design and fish combinations. Traditional breeding of wild-type fish have greatly expanded these possibilities. Now, enter the 21st century and the remarkable glowfish, the U.S.'s first transgenic pet. What is the glowfish? Today, our guest is Alan Blake. Alan Blake is the chief executive officer and co-founder of Yorktown Technologies, LP, the exclusive licensor of glowfish fluorescent fish. After more than five years on the market, glowfish are among the top-selling fish in the ornamental fish industry and remain the only biotech animal available to the public in the U.S., Since co-founding the company in 2001, Alan has gained extensive experience in all aspects of working with a biotech animal, including regulatory issues and commercialization and marketing. Alan has served as a primary spokesman for Glowfish and has been featured in all sorts of print, broadcast, and radio venues and dozens of international outlets. He is currently a member of BIO's Animal Biotechnology Committee and has chaired many panel discussions for BIO and the World Aquaculture Society. We'll be right back with Alan Blake after these messages. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Aquarium Mania. With us today is Alan Blake, and we're going to learn a lot about the glowfish from Alan today. How are you doing, Alan? Doing great. It's uh, wonderful to be here. Thank you for giving me a chance to come on the show. How's Texas? Texas is uh, wonderful. It's a little uh, little overcast today, but uh, by the end of the day, I think it will be uh, sunny and 65 or 70 degrees, so can't ask for <laughs> too much more in the end of October. That sounds great. So, glowfish, now they were obviously a really huge, huge news item um, several years ago. I think there are, believe it or not, I think there are still folks, especially people who maybe aren't as into the aquarium hobby that really aren't familiar with them. So, what exactly are glowfish? Glowfish are fluorescent zebrafish. They were developed uh, originally, uh, f- they, the first fluorescent zebrafish were developed 
over 10 years ago now at the National University of Singapore. The long-term idea was uh, that they would help to detect water toxins, uh, that they would uh, only fluoresce in the, the presence of toxins. Uh, first step was to make them fluoresce all the time. We can talk a little bit more about how they were developed later, but uh, for the purposes of the hobby, uh, they're just like any other uh, zebrafish, just uh, a whole lot uh, more brilliant in, in color. Come in three colors. Uh, got uh, electric green, starfire red, and sunburst orange. Now, you mentioned a little bit about how they were developed. I guess, can you, yeah, could you go into a little more detail? And we're going to get into a little, uh, a little more science here, but I think, I think a lot of the listeners would be interested. Sure, sure. So as I mentioned, these are uh, fluorescent uh, zebrafish, and they're developed, these fish in particular were developed by taking uh, fluorescence genes from uh, sea coral, and uh, the, the gene was taken out of the sea coral. It's added into the embryo right after the egg is fertilized, and in some cases, the uh, fluorescence gene uh, integrates into the DNA and when the fish grows up, it is able to pass it along to its offspring. So it essentially is a hereditary trait. Uh, so the fish, after that very first fish is developed, all the subsequent fish are born with their brilliant color, uh, have it throughout their entire lives, and then pass it along to their offspring. So it's a uh, really wonderful way to have a uh, brilliantly colored fish uh, without needing to uh, dye or inject the fish as uh, has been the case uh, with some other uh, types of fish that have been colored. Okay, yeah, that was, that was going to be my question because I, I know in, when you go into an aquarium store, many times you see all sorts of pretty colorful fish that look like you know, they probably have been painted or dyed. So with the glowfish, how will folks know that they're you know, looking at a glowfish versus one of these dyed fish? Well, that's a great question, and the, the best way is really to ask the, the store, uh, ask the staff, is this a glowfish? Uh, glowfish is a, a trademark. It's a, a brand, a trademark uh, brand of our company. And if you ask the store, is this a uh, authentic glowfish? Then uh, that's uh, really the, the best way to try and discern that. Uh, could also certainly look at the pictures on our website. It's glowfish.com, G-L-O-Fish.com. We've got pictures. We've got video. And uh, the fish you see in the store should look uh, just like the fish on our website. And, and if they don't, uh, that, that's probably not a good sign. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. I would imagine many of the stores probably are marking them specifically as glowfish versus the dyed and um, painted fish as well. So hopefully that will help out. Now, you know, going back, to, I guess, to kind of the development of this first transgenic pet actually, you know, available in the U.S., I know, uh, you know, I've known you for a number of years. I, I know there are quite a few steps that you had to take. Can you maybe give us a little bit of the, the history of what it took to get the glowfish on the market? And, you know, how, like when did you start? You know, how, what were the ideas for doing this? Who did you have to work with? The, you know, those sorts of questions. Sure. It was uh, actually an enormously complicated and uh, challenging process, much more so than, than I ever would have imagined. We started uh, the process in 2001 and uh, took uh, all in all more than two years, uh, close to two and a half years, to get the, the fish onto the market. The fish, as I mentioned, were originally developed at the National University of Singapore. And uh, we 
had to work not only with them to license the technology, we had to work with a lot of other companies that have certain intellectual property rights that cover uh, the uh, fluorescent fish and, and the, the particular lines of fish that we were interested in, in working with. So the, the process of uh, getting all the licenses, uh, getting all the intellectual property, patent rights and that sort of thing, uh, as well as dealing with all the regulatory questions took an awful lot of time. And then we spent a tremendous amount of time looking at the potential ecological and human health safety issues to ensure that the fish were safe for the environment and that they were also uh, there were no uh, human health concerns. So we worked with experts, environmental risk assessment experts, uh, specifically folks that focused on biotech animals, worked with them uh, for, for quite a while uh, to ensure that the fish were safe for the environment. We did studies, uh, all sorts of, of different uh, analyses and studies to ensure that uh, we had the uh, enough information to safely make that assessment. And then we went through the process of licensing the fish to producers in Florida. We work with, uh, exclusively with two producers, 5D Tropical and Seagrist Farms, who then produced the fish and by late 2003 were ready to start selling the fish to the market. Okay, so now you mentioned environment. What kind of concerns were there for environmental impact or what, what sort of things were you uh, having to look into? And I guess also maybe for some of the listeners, what, what sort of groups were concerned about some of the issues that these fish might present well, at the time, Roy, as you remember, there were no biotech animals or genetically modified animals on the market. We were intending to have the very first genetically modified animal publicly available in the world. So more than anything, there were some questions. Uh, a lot of people had questions about how this would work, what would happen if the fish would escape. So for example, if the fish escaped into the environment, could it cause any type of concern or, or disruptions, uh, any type of invasiveness issues? A whole slew of questions that were essentially focused on what would happen if the fish escaped. And uh, we did, as I mentioned, a, a tremendous amount of research into this. And fundamentally, what we discovered is that, as you know, zebrafish have been sold by the tens of millions per year for decades. Uh, in fact, we have references going back all the way to the 1920s, uh, or actually late, I guess, teens, where the zebrafish were produced. And despite all those decades of sale, hundreds of millions of zebrafish being sold, our uh, zebrafish have never established populations in the United States in the wild. They've never established uh, self-sustaining populations. So, we then tested our fish to ensure that our fish were no more fit, no more ecologically fit than the wild type zebrafish. And of course, we found that they're actually weaker because of the fluorescence gene. Uh, it exerts a metabolic burden. And that being the case, we knew that our fish, if they escaped, would be less able to survive than the zebrafish, which have not been able to survive. And we were able to conclusively show that uh, there were no ecological concerns. Okay. Yeah, I guess it make it would make sense if you have a pretty brightly colored fish, you're probably going to be most easily seen by uh, a potential predator, or, you know, fish or bird or something. Which I guess maybe that was another question too. If if something, another animal were to eat these fish, is there any potential 
concern there, or what was what was the actually um, right? That, that's a great question, and uh, the answer is no. There's no difference. This is uh, our fish are fluorescent because they have one additional gene, one additional gene out of tens of thousands, and there's no fundamentally difference from the perspective of consumption between that gene and any other gene. So just like we can eat chicken, I can go have a chicken sandwich for lunch today, and I don't have to worry about uh, growing wings. There's no concern if uh, some other animal were to eat our fish that any of the uh, DNA would transfer. And in fact, our bodies and evolution designs us to really protect against DNA transferring from one organism to another. Okay. And then the fluorescence, I'm assuming, is, is obviously not something to be, or the fluorescent properties of the fish aren't an issue either. Right. Yeah, these are naturally occurring genes. They've been uh, in the food chain for uh, millions and millions of years. And an important point that I should mention is the FDA, the, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the uh, Fish and Wildlife folks, and the USDA have all looked at this, and they are all comfortable with this from a safety and uh, ecological perspective. The FDA in particular has jurisdiction. They regulate well, they have, or I should say, they have jurisdiction over all genetically modified animals. So they reviewed our fish in coordination with the other agencies I just mentioned and uh, allowed us to, to market the fish. So there's a lot of federal oversight and there's also state oversight. Uh, various states have their own independent review processes. And you know, down in Florida, we work with the, there's a task force that specifically looks at these kinds of issues. So we're very comfortable after now uh, six years on the market, or nearly six years. Uh, there has never been any safety concerns or uh, really any other concerns raised, and we're we're very comfortable that our conclusions when we started uh, have really been validated. Okay, that sounds good. Well, I guess there's only one state, right? Is that California that has still um, been difficult to be able to sell in? Yeah, yeah. California is the only state. Coincidentally, uh, they're also bankrupt. So I don't know if there's any. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> any connection between the two, but certainly they are the only state that we can't sell in right now. Okay. Is that going to change, you think, or is there interest in, in the state? I think there's a lot of interest, Roy. The issue is uh, really largely a, a procedural issue. For us to be able to sell our fish there, we'd have to go through a, a very lengthy three, five, seven-year process. It's hard to know. A uh, very complicated and cumbersome process of producing an environmental impact report, which by all accounts would be expected to cost us many hundreds of thousands of dollars and again take many years. And then at the end of the process, it's subject to really the, the sort of political winds blowing at the time. So we, we're, you know, we're a small company and it's really not practical for us to go through that kind of a process, particularly given the procedural uncertainty involved. Yeah, that said, we, we'd love to sell the fish out there if, if we could. That sounds great. So I guess maybe this first segment, maybe finishing up, we'll talk more definitely about the species and the care and that sort of thing in the next segment. But I was curious, what's your overall thoughts on you know, biotechnology and, and in you know, the use of biotechnology in, in pets and in other uses? Well, biotechnology, like any other technology, I think has tremendous, tremendous potential. And uh, technology is uh, really not good or bad in and of itself. I think it is a, a force for good and historically is able to change the world in a very positive and, and beneficial way. And in particular, in animal biotechnology, we have tremendous opportunities 
with the technology to uh, make significant strides forward in animal welfare, in animal husbandry, uh, just general productivity of animals, a lot of different areas. And I think it's uh, really incumbent upon the folks that develop the technology to do so responsibly and in a way that is going to be positive uh, for the public at large. Great. Well, thanks for that. I think what I want to do is maybe take a quick break and then we'll discuss a little bit more about the color variations you have developed, some of the different lighting requirements, care, and, and some other specifics about the fish. But first, I think we should go ahead and hear a couple of messages from our sponsors. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Aquarium Mania on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Roy Anong, and we're going to continue speaking with Alan Blake, who is the Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder of Yorktown Technologies, LP, and the Licensor of glowfish, fluorescent fish in the U.S. and uh, in the world. So, Alan, we talked a little bit about some of the kind of uh, challenges you had with getting glowfish into the market, as well as um, a lot of the science of the glowfish and biotechnology in general. I wanted to talk a little bit more about, about the glowfish themselves. Now, you mentioned, I guess, that you have three different colors. Can you tell us about those again? Sure, sure. We've got three colors. The uh, trade names or, or the sort of market names are electric green, starfire red, and sunburst orange. And, of course, um, they uh, are uh, green, red, and orange. And tend to uh, change color slightly depending upon the light that they're under, which makes it a little more interesting. But uh, generally speaking, those are the, uh, the colors. Those three color varieties, were they all coming from coral or where, where did each of the... I guess the colors come from. Yeah, all they do all come from, uh, the genes all come from coral. Okay. And I guess I just wanted to make a quick return to the, the science a little bit. When you were talking, I guess, with Dr. Gong, is that correct? Correct. That's um, right. how, how did he, when you first approached the National University in Singapore, were they pretty excited about the possibility of getting these colored fish into the, the market? Or how, how yes. was their response? Yeah, they were actually very eager to get these fish into the market. The challenge was there were all kinds of uh, patents and other intellectual property considerations in the way. And, and that was really the what we brought to the table was the legwork in getting all of the rights to get the fish to market. They were thrilled to have these fish in the marketplace. And I guess some of the money goes back to research. Is that how, how, how right. was that working? Yeah, that's exactly correct. They're a portion from the sale of every every single fish goes back to the lab where they are still working on 
the sort of pollution detecting or pollution monitoring fish uh, that I mentioned earlier. Okay. So now you, you mentioned lighting for these. And, you know, I, of course, I have seen the fish. They're definitely beautiful and, and really as striking as any of the marine fish I've ever seen. What, what are specific lighting requirements to kind of bring out that color? Or what, what do you guys usually suggest for folks that kind of want to have a really good exhibit or, or aquarium? That is a great question. And Roy, you really hit on uh, hit the nail on the head. Glowfish provides a great way to get marine coloration in a freshwater tank. And I think that's why they've been so successful. To optimize the display, the best type of light to use is an actinic light. Some people know this as, as a blue light, but it's really the, the sort of high energy blue. Um, again, actinic is, is commonly referred to light. You can buy it in virtually any local fish store. That kind of light will really bring out the color in the fish. A white light, a regular fluorescent light works just fine. The actinic light works better. And then for a really amazing impact, you can use a black light. This is a novelty black light, you, like the kind you'd use to light something up around Halloween time or, or you know, maybe back in the, the 60s, the sort of black light posters. You can use a, a novelty black light in a completely dark room. It's important. The room has to be dark. That will create a really stunning effect. So I have uh, all different, all the, the three lights and, and sort of a, a switch from one to the other from, from time to time. Now, they're all great. And the other thing is using a dark colored gravel really adds to the contrast of the tank. So a, a sort of a dark brown or even a black gravel will add a lot more contrast. So I have to ask, how many aquariums do you have? <laughs> well, I, uh, I've got an aquarium, uh, really just one. But uh, I, I love it. I take a very good care of it, and I, I've had it going here for uh, for years. Now, of course, uh, some for uh, many years. Uh, some of the inhabitants, of, of course, uh, leave from time to time. Uh, <laughs> and new ones join, but uh, love the aquarium, and um, I'm really glad to have it full of glowfish. That's great. So I guess now that you, you mentioned marine freshwater, I, I think there may be some confusion with folks because of the the gene and that sort of thing. Now, these are freshwater fish, right? They are. They are freshwater fish. Okay. With, so. with the type of coloration you typically see in saltwater fish. Yeah, the reason for that is, again, because the, the fluorescence genes come from marine creatures, and uh, that's that's why they have that coloration. But it is, uh, it's really spectacular, especially getting all three colors in the same tank, zipping around under you know the right lighting is, is really... So it's an experience, and uh, our tagline is experience the glow, and that's more than just a tagline. For us, it's, it's our passion. It's our promise to the customers that we are trying to deliver not simply a beautiful fish, but an experience, that you're going to experience the, the glow of our fish. So in, in terms of care... Not what, to get to uh, marketing on you there, Roy. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Nope, no, that was, that was great. <laughs> in, ter- in terms of the, of the care for these... Is there anything people have to do differently or what are the needs for these to keep yeah, them healthy? That's, that's one of the best parts. Because they are uh, zebrafish, they are very hardy fish, very easy to care for, and uh, the care is, is really no different than any other zebrafish. So uh, for people who are not familiar with them, that's you know same, same types of flakes you'd normally give to your fish, uh, same types of water parameters that you'd want to use with any tropical fish. And uh, in general, they're much more hardy than uh, a lot of other tropical fish. 
are they pretty much compatible with a lot of different species? I mean, are yeah, they kind of the same? Great question. There are community fish. They're, they're actually great community fish. And uh, what that means is they can go with any other fish that is not going to be uh, aggressive against them. They're also great starter fish. A lot of times when a tank is first set up uh, because of the uh, natural uh, ammonia cycle, the uh, conditions are, uh, can be a little bit harsh. And uh, you want to start with a fish that's particularly hardy to work through that. And our fish uh, work great for that. That's good to hear. I, I actually had spent some time in a, the previous episode talking a little bit about the ammonia and nitrogen cycle. So I'm, I'm glad these, these fish can handle it and are able to help people to cycle their tanks. They would be a, obviously a beautiful fish to start with. Absolutely. So where are these available? Are they pretty much all over? You know, I see them in some places, but not in others. Yeah, it's really become a, a sort of must-have uh, if you're a, a fish retailer, staple within the industry. Uh, our fish are available in virtually all Walmarts, Petco's, PetSmart's, regional chains, and a majority of the independents. So uh, we have a store locator on our website, it's again, glowfish.com. You can punch in your zip code. It will tell you where you can get them locally. Uh, not all the chain locations are in there, uh, the national chains. So if uh, you live close to a national chain, uh, just keep in mind that the fish may be there as well. But in short, Roy, they're really among the most popular fish in the in the industry. And if your your local fish store is not carrying them, you know you, you probably can encourage them to to start doing so, and uh, they can certainly order the fish from uh, their local supplier. Now, I, I guess another question. You know, a lot of times hobbyists and others will, you know, one of the big next steps after they've become comfortable with a hobby is trying to breed fish and, you know, that sort of thing. Now, if a hobbyist breeds these fish, can he sell them to a pet store or what, you know, how would that be a problem? Well, uh, the, the short answer is they can't sell them. And in fact, there is a restriction against the intentional breeding of our fish. Now, we understand that uh, fish being uh, fish are going to sort of, from time to time, they'll do what they do in a fish tank. Now, that said, it's, it is very unusual, almost, I think, exceptionally unusual that fish would sort of breed on their own in captivity in, a, in a home aquarium. It does happen from time to time, and that's uh, just a fact of life. But we do have restrictions against doing that intentionally and then certainly selling the fish. We've put, as we've discussed, many years into the development of the fish. Uh, there's all sorts of intellectual property licenses and patents and rights that went into the fish. And given all of the work that we have put into it, and this is really what keeps us in business and allows us to continue to offer a quality product, we certainly hope that folks will uh, respect the restrictions against breeding and selling the fish. And uh, I would say that that really has been our experience. And we do appreciate that folks uh, do respect how much work we've put into this and, and have not gone out and, and tried to, to breed and, and sell the fish. Okay, that makes sense. Sure. Now, um, I know there's definitely a lot of interest in, in schools, and I, I've got, I do uh, some of the Great American Teach-Ins, and actually I'm going to be doing one in a couple of weeks, and they're usually pretty excited when I do bring Glowfish in. How's the response been in terms of education? I, I think you had mentioned something about that. Yeah, it's been great. These are tremendous classroom teaching tools, and Roy, we actually have, you may be interested since you're about to head out there. Uh, we have a page on our website, a uh, classroom page, that has about two dozen professionally written academic standard compliant lesson plans that are designed to go with Glowfish. 
and they're free. You don't even need to register. You just go download them and can use them in the classroom. We have found that students absolutely love Glowfish. Uh, they really capture the imagination and the fascination of students from kindergarten all the way up through high school. And they're great tools for teaching about biology, ecology, and then in the later years, genetics and, and even uh, ethics, getting into commercializing biotech animals. That sounds great. I'll definitely have to do that. I know the uh, the students are always very excited, and you know if you can get a good classroom that you can turn the lights off in, then they uh, definitely get a thrill out of that. And Halloween, you know, it's always great to have kind of glowing fish. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I should mention we have a link on our site over to uh, Carolina Biological, which not only sells our fish, but they offer a kit that will go with uh, our fish that has the appropriate lighting in it. And then also on a, a broader note, there's currently a, a kit being sold in uh, some of the retail stores that also has, it's designed with the Glowfish optimized lighting. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Definitely. So is there uh, anything new on the horizon? You know, you mentioned three colors. Are you guys looking at other colors or other, you know, maybe even other species, that sort of thing? Well, we, uh, we'd love to be able to bring other lines of fish to market. Uh, nothing in the, the near term. Uh, again, there's a tremendous amount of work that goes uh, into commercializing uh, any new line of fluorescent fish. We've got to do uh, just like we did for the first three lines. Every single line has to go through the federal regulatory process with the FDA. And uh, as, I'm, <laughs> as I'm sure folks understand, that's a very lengthy process. And it requires us to do uh, all sorts of uh, environmental risk assessment work. And uh, ultimately, we would love to market other lines. We just are going to be absolutely sure that any line that we market is going to be safe for the environment. And it's going to be a product that is fish that's going to be really embraced by the, the marketplace. And because of that, it just takes a lot of time. That's understandable. Well, Hopefully there will be some new fish in the future. It's definitely been an exciting event for the aquarium fish industry. Definitely has had a lot of uh, press. Actually, how was it meeting some of the folks? I know you were on a lot of the network stations meeting some of the uh, reporters to talk about it. How were those folks? Well, um, it was an experience, right? It was, uh, by and large, it was a great experience. Uh, we had, in the end, over 750 million media impressions. That's every wow. time someone saw, read, or heard about a glowfish. Uh, and that was really worldwide. Every major newspaper, television, radio channel, and outlet in the, in the country, many internationally. So it was a heck of an experience. I think people of all ages were really drawn to the idea, fascinated by the idea, and generally, uh, I think, uh, did a good job of uh, getting the, the information out uh, that the fish are safe and that this is a great product for the industry. So very fascinating experience and um, one that I'm glad to have. Do you have any um, famous people that you know have glowfish in their, uh, in their homes or businesses? Or is that, that would be a secret maybe? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's see. I, you know, I did the, the only one that comes to mind immediately is I read an article, I think it was in the LA Times, that uh, Penn & Teller had our fish. Uh, oh, that's which, great. That's kind of interesting. And, and in, uh, uh, we were featured in iRobot. I mentioned that's a the Will Smith movie. They talked about uh, Glowfish, and the movie takes place 30 years in the future. So that was nice. You know, It's nice to think that we'll still be uh, alive and uh, kicking 30 years from now. <laughs> we'll yeah, see. definitely. Definitely. That's great. Well, I think we're out of time. I definitely want to thank you, Alan, and uh, all the work Thanks. you and, and your uh, co-founder and co-workers have done to 
get this fish into the market, kind of get a lot more people educated about biotechnology, the aquarium industry, kind of the merging of the two. And, you know, all the, all the educational aspects as well, both in schools as well as to the general public. I think it's been really a positive experience overall um, in, in many different ways. Is there anything you want to talk about, you know, specifically before we, we end? Anything you want to point out to folks, et cetera, that might, might be helpful to them uh, when they're looking at or thinking about Glowfish? You mentioned the website. Sure, sure. Well, uh, the website is uh, glowfish.com, G-L-O-fish.com. And uh, again, um, I'm really glad to be here. I appreciate you giving me the chance to talk about our fish. And uh, generally speaking, I, I want to uh, thank everyone out there who, who has been such a great supporter of our product and folks that own our fish and, and uh, have supported us through the years. I just encourage you to, uh, if you have any questions or uh, would like uh, some additional support, uh, please contact us at any time through our website. We're always happy to hear from folks. And uh, Roy, thanks again for having me on. Thank you again. And I'd like to remind folks if they have anything they'd like to talk about to visit the Aquarium Mania blog on Pet Life Radio. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, please feel free to email me at roy at petliferadio.com. So until next time, we hope you continue to expand your aquarium horizons, visit a few pet stores, maybe uh, build another aquarium site in your home, and think about all the endless possibilities, including the, uh, the beautiful glowfish. And if you are ever in town in, in uh, Tampa, feel free to uh, visit the Florida Aquarium, a great place. And I, I think their exhibit, Aquarium Mania, same title as the show, actually has some glowfish on display as well. So that's it for now. And thanks again very much for joining us on Aquarium Mania. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.